Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this latest episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today we're going to be speaking with Brett Loftus. He's the Chief Executive Officer of the Cross North School in Avery County and is the new head of the Children's Home in Winston-Salem and will be overseeing this partnership uh, that began between these two organizations uh, around February. And so this is the first time Brett's been on radio with me and uh, he's one of those uh, guests that I actually got to speak with before um, we ever went to radio. So, Brett, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Yeah. And so, you know, as I said, you know, in the briefing, uh, 30 minutes doesn't last long. So let's go right into some questions. So <laughs> Great. Um, much like uh, our interview we did back in March, uh, just give me a little ba- bit of background so people know where are you from, where did you grow up, uh, those kinds of things. Where'd you go to school? <laughs> Great. Well, I was born in actually Dallas, Texas, and um, lived in Dallas County until I was in fifth grade, and my parents decided they wanted to move to rural South Carolina. So I had this unique experience of splitting my childhood between one very urban, multicultural environment and one very small southern town uh, around Seneca, South Carolina. And that that was important for me in lots of ways. And uh, when I wound up going to college at Furman University, um, studied uh, sociology and political science, and from the very beginning was just really interested in social justice and how children were impacted by poverty and different environments and the, the concepts of, of race and inclusion and all that really led me to a whole career of um, working for the civil rights of children. Um, I spent some time in youth ministry, working for a couple different churches, went back to Texas and worked for a little while as a youth minister, and then really answered the call to go to law school. Uh, moved to North Carolina for the first time to go to Wake Forest um, Law School to be a child advocate. I'd worked in child advocacy professionally um, before that and was just ready to do it better and more thoroughly. And now I'm 21 years into the field of children's advocacy, and I've, I've really loved every day of it. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that I got in our interview back in March was that you have definitely been called to ministry. And this is one of the things that I discuss with just about every guest we have on our show. We have a lot of ordained ministers, ordained clergy of different kinds. But now you're a layperson who has definitely heard a call to ministry. And so tell me how that call came about in your life and <laughs> how did you listen to it? And uh, how has it brought you to where you, you are now? Oh, well, that, that call came much earlier than I probably even knew at the time. Um, my mother loves to tell the story that she's, she found some papers I did in middle school where a, you would plan out your future, as any, as any good middle schooler would do, and I um, wrote that I was going to be a lawyer for children. Hmm. Um, and and she, she loves to talk about that. And, you know, it just never occurred to me that, I would have a life that wasn't about serving kids. And I'd always felt like God had really equipped me for that work. Um, 
you know, I prefer children to adults. <laughs> They're a lot more fun. They're a lot more um, reflective, I think, of who God is and their capacity to love unconditionally and to, to change and to grow and to forgive and just all the amazing things that, you know, I think God sets out in Scripture about us um, becoming like children in order to come to him. Um, I just really saw that in kids and, and loved it um, and have worked with kids in some capacity my really my whole life. Um, and my first job really was working um, as a as a counselor in a residential program um, for children who are at risk, who are who are trying to get um, a step up, you know, trying to break a cycle. Um, and it just caught me. And I and it is it has really been a privilege to to serve kids. And I've never had to worry about like most lawyers who who don't always like all their clients. I've always loved my clients, um, no matter what they what they'd been through, what they'd experienced. Um, their capacity for hope is is really inspiring. Yeah, that and I would say that in speaking with lawyers before in my life, you know, the love of clients is not always there. Uh, <laughs> and so not I the think the first thing um, they mention, huh? Well, yeah, they they will tell you all the horror stories of uh, of their clients and how you know um, if it weren't for the money, I wouldn't be in this job. And uh, in your case, uh, your clients are children, and you can't help but love them, even difficult ones you can love. And right. know that there is possibility. Um, they haven't become cantankerous adults yet. <laughs> There's no infinite capacity for change, which I just find fascinating. Um, adults can get stuck so easily um, in who they are, who they think they are, um, and children can just change their mind. You know, I'm I'm going to be something different, or I'm going to do something mm. different. Um, even no, the, no matter the traumas they've experienced before, I meet them. Um, there's just something about being a child that just is is really captivating. Yeah. So you did youth ministry in Dallas after you finished mm-hmm. at Furman. You did that mm-hmm. for about a year, I think you told me, and then you yeah. came to law school in Winston Salem. So um, you spent three years there uh, in Winston-Salem, I'm guessing, and then uh, you moved to Charlotte, and you worked in child advocacy for much of your career. So tell Mm -hmm. me about um, what it was like working in child advocacy as a lawyer in the public system, that kind of thing. So um, when I left Wake Forest, I was looking for a job really anywhere in the country that would be the, give me the best experience about being a child advocate. Um, I'd worked for the Guardian of Lightham program as a volunteer and then as a staff member in South Carolina supervising and training volunteer guardians for kids um, and just you know, knew the court system needed strong, dedicated advocates. And so the opportunity to join the Council for Children in Charlotte was just super – it was my dream job. Um, and so I worked with kids who had special education needs, kids who had mental health problems, kids who had been abused and neglected, um, and eventually worked a lot with kids who had been charged with crimes and kids who were in mm-hmm. mental health hospitals. Um, and every day was different. Every day was a different story. Um, and, you know, early in my career I was a single guy um, just doing the work that I wanted to do, fighting the good fight every day, and it started to take a toll on me. Um, it started the stories of the and the trauma. I didn't really understand what vicarious trauma was, with secondary trauma effects, which I know a lot more about now, which are how we're impacted by other people's loss and, and, and trauma. 
And um, I will never forget having nightmares one night about a client that I'd been working with that had suffered really horrific abuse. Um, and I woke up in the middle of the night um, and opened my Bible that was on the bedside table, which was not my norm, just to open it up and see what was there. Um, and it opened right to the verse in Matthew where um, it, it talks about, you know, do not despise one of these little ones because their angels in heaven watch over them. And it was mm. the first time I'd read that part of the verse in that way where it just God was speaking to me and saying, you know, I've got them. <laughs> My mm. angels watch over them. You know, they're not just your responsibility. Um, and it was the last nightmare I had. Um, and it really has been a, a great um, privilege to be able to, to work with kids in some of the darkest situations that are out there. Um, but it was really my faith that has kind of driven me through that process and protected me really in the process of, of dealing with kids who've experienced things that most adults can't even imagine. Mm. Um, and so during my time there at the council, I represented thousands of kids and eventually became the executive director and merged it with another um, advocacy organization. We became the largest children's law office in the Southeast and pretty much the most comprehensive in the country, really representing kids in every avenue um, from immigration to abuse and neglect and everything in between public benefits, all the things where kids would need a voice is where we interjected ourselves. Mm. So with all that success, how did you end up at the Cross North School? <laughs> well, I had my dream job really early in life, which was both wonderful and disconcerting because you look around and say, well, now what? Um, I became an executive director at 29, and I did that um, for a long time. I was there for 13 years mm. and loved it. And it, the last five years, I spent a lot of my time working on policy issues and systems change, trying to make the systems work better for children because, unfortunately, one of the things that happens, children – suffer tremendous loss, and then the systems that are supposed to protect them um, don't often do that. They often sometimes inflict further trauma on children. And so I was working really hard on system change and policy work, and what I realized is that I hadn't been working with children, and I really missed my true mm -hmm. calling, which was to work directly with kids. And so my wife and I started praying about what was next, and we really felt like God was calling us to something pretty significantly different, scary, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I didn't know what that different was. Um, and we just thought we would stay in Charlotte. We loved it there. Our children were born there. Everybody was happy there. We had a great church. And um, one day a recruiter called and said, have you ever heard the Cross North School? And I said, well, yes, of course. It's got a great reputation, but I've never been there. Hmm. And so we drove up the mountain. We walked on the campus. And from the very first time I stepped foot here, you could feel like God was doing something here. Um, and I've heard that story literally thousands of times since about people walking on the campus and being able to feel God's presence here and the work that's happening here. And it was, mm -hmm. it was really special. Both of our kids independently at different times that day said, we should live here. <laughs> but they'd never lived anywhere but Charlotte. So that was a pretty weird thing to say, especially since they didn't know there was even a job out there. Right. Um, and we've never regretted that decision. That's amazing. Yeah, there's something about Crossmore School, and I'd never been on the campus until I had met you a few weeks ago. And um, you had given me the book of uh, Dr. Sloop, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and it was fascinating how Crossmore School developed and how, how these two doctors doing missionary work in the mountains <laughs> made this place happen. And um, um, you told me some stories of 
uh, what you've been doing there. And um, it, it is just an amazing place. And you do see God at work uh, when you get there. Um, I, I, I had that uncanny feeling, too, um, as I got a tour of the place. And so, you know, you told me uh, some of the things about Crossmore School that have just, you know, made me uh, want to see this happen across, you know, the state. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, knowing how many kids, uh, you know, go through high school and actually finish, who go to college. Tell tell us something about um, those outstanding statistics that have happened mm-hmm. over the years there at Crossmore. Well, so what we know is that um, the world of children, and especially children in foster care, is not a real bright picture. Um, mm. You know, the national statistics on children in foster care are pretty alarming. There are about half a million kids in foster care across the country. There are over 10,000 children in foster care in North Carolina today, and most of those have pretty horrendous life outcomes. Um, and the state itself is just not a great parent, to be honest. No. Um, and, you know, about less than half of those children graduate from high school. Um, really hard to break an intergenerational cycle of poverty, abuse, addiction, domestic violence if you don't have an education, if you've, you've not been able to see something else to choose from. And so, um, you know, less than 3% of foster kids go to college, less than 1% graduate. So really I was interested in finding something that was different, that, that really had um, children at the center of it, and, and Crossnor was that answer for me. And so looking at the way we deal with children holistically, mind, body, spirit, so we have a school here on campus, we have wonderful trauma, trauma-trained therapists here on campus, everybody here. Um, whether you're a cottage parent or a, a lady who works in the lunchroom or one of our maintenance guys, they're all trained in trauma theory and how to interact with children to have healing interactions. And because of that, because of that holistic approach, you know, about 95% of our children graduate from high school. Wow. The vast majority of those go on to college, either a community college, a four-year college, or some kind of trade school. Um, and, and that in and of itself was an, a compelling outcome. But what I've been able to see is that not only that, but children really develop something here that I think the system is missing as a whole, is they develop an identity of who they are and and who they were created to be. Um, It changes a child's life to to learn that they are a created being made unique and independent and there's no one else like them and that God has a real specific plan just for them. And for a child who's felt unwanted or unloved or, or abandoned, um, that's a life-changing realization. Mm-hmm. And they start to get a vision for their future and a vision for their future family um, that really drives their behavior and drives their actions and drives their choices. And that's how you break a cycle. Uh, that's how you get out of the thing that you've known um, and do something different. And that's been so fun to watch. It's been fun to see kids um, go on to healthy, productive lives um, to see our alumni who are married with children or have wonderful careers, many of them in ministry. You know, many mm. of our kids really feel like that people were called to work with them, and now they have a calling to do something. Um, and it's 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 an incredible experience to see that happen. Yeah. So um, we're going to come back after the break and talk more about how Cross North School and the Children's Home in Winston-Salem uh, became partners, but uh, I just want to thank you for 
uh, all your work at uh, at Crossnorth School, and it, it was an exciting uh, time to be there. So here now a word from uh, our sponsors. My name is Sally Queen, and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation in Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on our show's website, which is umconnect.info. So we're back with uh, Brett Loftus, and we had just heard all about Crossnore School. How many kids are at Crossnore right now? So we have about 85 children who live here on campus, and our on-campus school has about 135 children, pre-K through 12th grade. Okay. And so... Um, when was it that you first learned of the children's home in Winston-Salem? Well, I've kind of always known about the children's home and their, you know, their reputation as one of the, you know, the oldest, longest time serving children's organizations in the state. And when I lived in Winston-Salem, I would drive by it all the time and think, what a beautiful campus. What a cool place. I'd love to know more about it. I worked as a guardian ad litem when I was there in law school and so knew a little bit about the children in the system at the time. And just knew about the legacy of the children's home and its decades and decades of service to them. Uh, and I think that Crossnor and uh, the children's home are about the same age, about 100 years old each. Yeah, the, the children's home is actually a few years older than Crossnor. So we were founded in, in, in 1913, and the children's home was founded in 1909. And so both okay. well over 100 years old now and wonderful legacies of, of, of serving kids. And as soon as I got to Crossnor, one of the first things I encountered was um, this wonderful model and this wonderful outcomes, and um, the only problem was it was a lack of space. So we've mm-hmm. had about a, a waiting list for the whole uh, more than three years since I've been here. In fact, one of my, my program directors just let me know this week that in March um, we turned away 44 children um, wow. who were seeking shelter and sanctuary. Um, six, there were six sibling groups in that 44 children. Um, and that means if they can't come here, often they are separated from their siblings and placed in different homes and different communities sometimes. Hmm. That's one of the biggest tragedies of the system is that not only will you lose your parents and lose your home, lose your school, lose all your things, but you could even lose your siblings um, wow. because the system doesn't work well. And so fixing that problem has been my first priority. Well, when did you actually start working uh, with the children's home? You had told me that it, it became a part of a visioning process that you were going through at Crossnorth School, and they were going through it at the same time in Winston-Salem, and uh, somehow or another, uh, you two connected. How did that all mm-hmm. come about? 
So now it's probably more than a, more than a year ago, maybe close to a year and a half ago, um, the, the children's home was going through this process of strategic planning to really look at what their next 100 years was going to look like. They'd had kind of a period of struggle and change around leadership and direction, and the board really stopped everything and said, how do we spend some quality time looking across the country and looking in our own state about what works? Hmm. Um, we don't want to recruit. They, they were really clear. They don't want to recreate the wheel. They want to figure out what works and how they can do that. And so I was called down to come be part of a panel there to meet with their board, um, yeah, well over a year ago, just to talk about what was working in North Carolina and you know what the evidence says, what the research says about where you get the best outcomes. And after that process, um, that board really started to struggle with how do we build a whole child model. How do we look at children, mind, body, and spirit? How, how do we do all those things here on this amazing campus God's given us? And so about a year, a little over a year ago, I got a call from the board chair to say, hey, would you ever be interested in partnership? And I said, well, there's a potential, but we were in the very beginning stages of strategic planning. I said, you know, we're trying to figure out how to meet this need, this, this need that is pretty overwhelming that we have right now, how to serve more children. But we were just beginning that process, so the timing was a little bit off. And I said, just give us a few months. Let us walk through the process. But I, in the meantime, I'll provide strategic guidance. I'll provide consult, free consulting, whatever you need. Um, just let me know because I want to see the children's home be successful. So mm-hmm. I did that, and our board did its work. And, and really, at the end of the day, our board came up with a couple priorities. And it was one is to build three new cottages here on this campus to serve 27 more children. And then to realize that after that, we were completely full. We, we have no more space to build cottages or to serve kids here residentially. And so to look for partners. And the children's home was first on that list. And so the boards got together and had a conversation. And in reality, it was really, from the beginning, very clear that we wanted the same thing. We wanted to serve children. We wanted to serve them with best evidence, um, to use a trauma-informed approach to help them heal, and to really infuse our Christian values in, in the work to make sure that kids' spirits were attended to, not just their, their minds and their bodies. And so um, the partnership actually went very smoothly um, about who does what and when. Everybody kind of put egos aside and put history aside in some ways and said this is what we think is best for kids. And in February we got to announce a formal partnership where I would take over leadership of both campuses uh, while we work out all the integration that needs to happen with staff and board and um, all those things over the next few months. And we're in the process of doing that right now. Very neat. Yeah, so it was, I guess, February when it was announced uh, through the Mm -hmm. Children's Home. We announced it. Um, There's beginning a a little movement within Western North Carolina Methodism, people finding out about this exciting partnership that you have. So uh, let's talk future. What does the future look like for uh, both the Cross North School and the Children's Home with you partnering together? Um, Give us an idea of what to look for. Well, I think the the possibilities are really limitless. Uh, in reality, um, the sad truth is there's more need than any of us can handle together or right. independently. And so we've got to move forward in in working as a collaborative to to build a system where we take care of children's needs. Um, those ten thousand plus kids that are in foster care, there are tens of thousands in addition to them that are in different phases of the system. They may be being abused in their home and no one knows it. Or they may be in a home that's unstable, that needs some support to keep the child child from being removed. 
or they may just need counseling. There's, there's all these different needs out there. So we want to build a continuum of services. So we really look at our service area as Greensboro all the way to Cherokee, um, look at the entirety of the western part of the state, and say how do we build a service array that is informed by the best research we know and the best practical experience we know and serve the needs that are there. Um, there are not enough foster homes. There are not enough people who are answering God's call to adoption. Mm-hmm. And there are not enough campuses like this where you can get an excellent education um, while you heal from the things that have happened to you. And so we're looking at all that continuum, how to best use both campuses and how to best infuse services in the communities um, in the western part of the state to help support children and their families. Yeah. And one of the things uh, that you mentioned uh, when we were uh, interviewing uh, was one of the great assets of both the children's home and Cross North School is that you have some people that are very interested, some United Methodists, and you have constituents that, you know, this is their life and blood. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we have a real opportunity uh, with United Methodists, this renewal of um, uh, mission that uh, is coming about of, you know, capturing our imaginations and, you know, what a, you know, 290,000 United Methodists can do for children. It's in our blood. It's in, it's in our mission statements. Every one of our districts actually has, uh, you know, a concern for children. And, uh, you know, we've made that a big thing over the last four years, at least since I've been working with the conference mm-hmm. uh, in these patterns. And so uh, I think you have uh, some real assets here. And uh, I look forward to seeing uh, what the partnership will do there. So I know this is rather new, and you know we've spoken, and uh, you're as busy as you can be right now. Lots of <laughs> stuff going on. Um, so what are the focuses for you know the next mm. six months to a year? Right. Because this is well, a long-term I, plan. <laughs> absolutely, it's a long-term plan, and it'll take longer than I want. I don't tend to be uh, the most patient person, so. I am, I'm ready for these kids to get what they need now. I, I think the most important thing to know is that as Christians, the call to serve kids is not optional. <laughs> I mean, we right. just are very clearly commanded to take care of children. Um, and I think it is um, one of the greatest things that we can do as, as faith communities and as individual people of faith is to follow that call. The mm-hmm. other thing is to realize that we have to stop relying on the government to be the parent. Um, there are plenty of government programs and social services and those things, but that is a very bare minimum kind of approach to, to children. And none of us think of our own children about bare minimum standards. We no. want kids to have the best that there's out there to, to be offered and to be safe and be protected, but also to have opportunities and a future and hope. Um, and so we're, that's where we're really building right now is that um, folks who care about kids, um, people of faith, people – um, who are really called to this work. Let's all just get together and figure out what's next. A lot of it is laid out for us, is that we need, we need foster homes. We need uh, campuses that are full of kids. The Children's Home Campus is beautiful, um, a wonderful place, um, but it's been unattended to in some ways. I mean, the buildings need work. Um, some buildings need to come down. Some new buildings need to come up. Um, we need to build more spaces for kids to be. And honestly, the government will never do that. Right. It is going to be private people of faith who join together to say, 
how do we do that? How do we build a sanctuary for children? How do we make that our priority? And that's my job is to get folks to see the vision and get excited and to get together and, and really do it together. No doubt about it. Um, and what, you've got almost 200 acres, something like that, in Winston. Yeah, just over 200 acres there that's sitting um, waiting to serve kids. And, uh, well, I know that you're the guy that can make this happen, and I know that um, we're going to get behind this as United Methodist. And I look forward to your report at annual conference because I think it's going to be very exciting. So we've got a couple of minutes you get the last word. You tell me and you tell this audience that's listening. What do you need for them to hear today? Well, I think the most important thing that can happen is that you pray for God to really lead this work. Um, his provision for both of these, these wonderful, beautiful schools has been um, longstanding. He has taken care of the Children's Home and the Cross North School over many, many decades, and he has a plan for this work and that we would just in some ways – um, yield to whatever his leading is. And so if people could pray for us, pray for the leadership, pray for the staff who do really, really difficult things every day. They battle in the trenches for kids' hearts and their spirits. So pray for them, pray for us, and, and call. Join us for the work. If you've not been on a tour, if you've not come to see the campus at the Children's Home or the Cross North School, come see them. Come see the work that we're doing. Come watch the, the folks um, really put blood, sweat, and tears into protecting our most valuable resource in the state, and that's our children. Um, there are lots of ways to connect as volunteers or as staff members, as prayer warriors, um, people who come and do physical labor or volunteer their time to mentor a child, or maybe it's even answering the call to be a foster parent, adoptive parent. Um, the, the kids are waiting. The kids are there. The need is there. Um, we just need the answers. Well, enough said, and I will be in prayer for you. That is uh, great news, great news for Western North Carolina, great news for the children's home, great news uh, for your ministry at the Cross North School. So thanks for giving your time today, Brett, and I look forward to hearing more about uh, this ongoing ministry that's happening, and I look forward to all the growth and the work that you'll do with children. Thank you. God bless you guys. All right, and thanks uh, for everyone listening to the show. It will be a podcast at our blog talk page and on the show's website, umconnect.info. And we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.